0: song helped a lot of people, especially the Walston and the Petty family, because the trials sometimes we just don't understand, and we just don't understand. God has the big picture, amen, he's still on the throne, and if Horatio Spafford can write a song like It Is Well after losing four girls drowned in the middle of Atlantic Ocean, that's where he was inspired to write that first verse of that song think we can still rejoice. Amen? Mark chapter 13 is an exciting chapter. I'm going to be preaching verses 1 through 13, maybe not get that far. I want to preach on the beginning of the end. I believe we're in the last days. Amen? I believe when Jesus said it is finished, they started a countdown for the rapture, for the second coming. Even in the tribulation, it's going to be described in verse 14 and following of this chapter and uh, folks there's a countdown to the end of times. I believe we're in the very last days I believe there's a lot of signs of the time but I'm not looking for signs I'm looking for the Savior amen uh, I'll be preaching tomorrow brother Steve Gregory will be in a fellowship meeting in uh, Marietta Georgia and I thought about preaching this message again brother Steve but you're here so I don't want to bore you with it but uh, I'm sure you preach some of your messages more than once And uh, as some evangelists and missionaries do, which is a blessing. But uh, pray for Brother Steve and I as we try to encourage preachers tomorrow. Amen. I didn't even know he was on the docket until I saw the docket, until I saw the the, uh, poster. I don't think he knew he was on. I didn't think I was on either. pray that we'll be on. Amen. Folks, if there's ever a time that preachers need to be encouraged, it's today. Because we bear everybody's burdens, but we have our own burdens to bear, you know. When our grandkids are... Brokenhearted, we're really brokenhearted. We take up that offense. Uh, Selah thought that was her baby, and so it's going to be hard on her, I guarantee you. And so, you know, if you got a heart, uh, when their heart's hurt, your heart's hurt. But I'm going to preach not with a broken heart. I'm going to preach with an anticipating heart. I appreciate these girls on the second row. I believe you all twins, aren't you? Well, you all close enough to be twins. Praise God. Amen. And uh, they love each other. Amen. They're in church. I thought they were all snuggled up together because it's cold on the second pew. And uh, I said, this is a good place to stay warm. Amen. So I'm glad these little girls are up on the second row and joining the service together. That's wonderful. Mark chapter 13, we'll go verses 1 through about 8. And just stand in all the Word of God. We stand for the flag. I hope you stand for the flag. If you don't, go to Russia. And don't come back. But anyway, look look, <laughs> look, at, uh, look at verse uh, chapter uh, Mark chapter 13, verse 1. As we went into the temple. One of the disciples said to him, Master, see what matters stones and what buildings are here? I believe the disciples were truly saying, man, you've given this place a hard time. And you have a clean house. And you have rebuked everybody. I just want to remind you how beautiful this place is. Well, here's the Lord's answer. He says, and Jesus answered and said to him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that thou shalt be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? And Jesus answered them, saying, began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. Sign number one of the last days. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. When you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be. But the end shall not be yet. For nations shall rise against nations, and kingdoms shall, uh, against kingdoms, and there shall be earthquakes and divers places. There shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of the sorrows. The beginnings of the sorrows. But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to, to the councils and in the synagogues, and you shall be beaten, and you shall be brought before the rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And tonight I'll preach verse ten. It says, "For the gospel must be published among all nations." Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the wonderful song service. It's good to have brother Randy back from vacation, and others in the orchestra. And Lord, we just thank you, God, for the good music. God, we thank you for the good songs, good singing, good worship. Thank you for the choir special. Lord, if I ever needed needed that that song, it was this morning. God, because I need to be reminded afresh and anew, you're still on the throne. And the Lord, not only are you still on the throne, you're coming back soon to set up your throne for a million years on this earth, a thousand years on this earth. What a blessing. Thank God everything's going to be in order. When the government makes mistakes, Uh, today and things go wrong that we think should be right as brother randy's already mentioned We thank you lord one day you're going to set everything right because you're the righteous king so lord bless this message this morning it's burning on my heart i just hope i can get it out of my mouth god because i want these folks to share in the burden i have and the blessing i have of the soon return of the lord jesus christ in jesus name i pray You may be seated. Sorry you had to stand so long. But I've stood longer at a ballgame. Anyway, Matthew chapter 24, verse 25 talks about this chapter. Luke chapter 21 is called the Olivet Discourse. Jesus talks about the end times and the events which surround the end of the world. Now, most immediately, he's talking about 70 A.D. But also, friend, we can see prophetically and also practically, he's talking about the day. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's signs of the time everywhere. When I came up as a youth, we used to sing a song: "Signs of the time are everywhere." And we'd sing that song, buddy. And we were, we thought it, I thought the Lord's going to come any minute. Well, that's been a long time ago—50, <laughs> many hairs ago. Amen. But it was a long time ago, and uh, I, I believed it then, and I believe it even more now. How many believe the Lord could come any minute? And say amen. Let me just say this to preference the message. There's not one sign, there's not one sign that needs to be fulfilled for the rapture of the church. What is the rapture of the church? It's the catching up of the saints. The dead in Christ arise first, we which are alive and main shall be caught up to be with the Lord. We ought to forever remember that and comfort one another with those words. But I want you to see, first of all, in verse 1 and 2, a strange prediction. In verse 1, the Bible says, And as he went out of the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Master, see what matters stones and what buildings are here. It was immaculate. I'll, I'll give you a description of that temple. And Jesus answering said to him, Seest thou th- these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Folks, the temple was a beautiful place. Jesus leaving the temple and he's exposed the jewish leaders as phonies there's nothing worse than religious phonies a lot of people won't come to church because of religious hypocrites well i want to tell you something friend you hide behind a hypocrite you're smaller than they are amen we need to look to jesus we don't need to find the excuse we need to find a reason to praise god serve god and be faithful amen thank god folks the disciples my own the disciples tried to lighten the mood after all the negativity Uh, They thought they'd just complement the beautiful, commodious facilities. Well, it didn't work, because I want to tell you something. The Lord had a prophecy for them. The Lord had a prediction for them. The Temple of Jerusalem was considered the most spectacular wonder of the ancient Roman Empire. Solomon's temple took seven years and millions and millions of dollars to build. The temple was completed, um, but it was destroyed in 600 B.C., that's the first temple. And then the Jews returned to that homeland 70 years later. They constructed the second temple. This temple served the Jews for nearly 500 years. Now, that's some good carpet, say amen, right there, amen, or wood or whatever they put on it, amen. That's good marble, good rocks, whatever they built it with. Uh, good gold and good silver, say amen. 500 years. And, uh, folks, uh, uh, the, but King Herod assumed the throne of Israel, and he wanted to gain favor, political favor for the Jews. So he was going to rebuild the temple. And he accepted that chore uh, at 19 BC. The work began. The time Jesus here, uh, the work had been going for 46 years. Turn to John chapter 2, verse 20. You'll see that's where I got it from. John chapter 2, verse 20. The Bible says this Then said the Jews, 40 and 6 years were the temple in building. And, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? Forty-six years, the temple that Jesus uh, was uh, uh, had cleaned the house in, threw the money changers out, uh, rebuked the elders and the and the religious group was um, uh, was uh, beautiful. It had just finished being re- rebuilt, and they said it set upon uh, Mount Moriah. Isn't that a significant mountain, Mount Moriah? and literally dominated the skyline of the temple uh, mount, covered one-sixth of the area of Jerusalem. Now listen to this. The temple itself was 172 feet long and 20 stories high. That's some hard work right there, say amen. Didn't have elevators back then. The temple, uh, uh, you could see it from miles and miles and miles away. And these stones and these buildings that the Lord was referring to, these stones were made... Uh, made up of Herod's temple, were enormous. Some of them were 40 feet long, these stones. 18 feet high, 15 feet wide. They were cut by hand from pure white limestone, fitted together so tightly you could barely put a sheet of paper between the stones. The doors and walls, even the floors of the temple were overlaid with pure gold. This is where Jesus is referring to. It's coming down. It's coming down. There were jewels and ornate carvings, uh, many awe-inspiring sights. And it was said that when the sun came up in Jerusalem, one could not look upon the temple because of the glimmering, shimmering, golden walls of that temple. They were standing there. The disciples said, you know, you've been pretty hard on this place. Uh, Isn't it so beautiful? And like every Jew, the disciples were impressed by the temple. Folks, the church is not this building. You are the church, Say amen. We don't get hung up on the building. I'm glad it's remodeled. I'm glad it came out half decent. I think it's pretty. I think it's nice. If you have any criticism, go out in the hallway. But anyway, uh, Josiah. Josias said this. He's the historian of the, of the biblical age. He said, it shone with a fiery splendor so that when the eyes gazed upon it, it turned away as from the rays of the sun. The size of the foundation, another writer said, uh, the foundation of stones was enormous, and the foundational stones were nearly 24 feet in length and four feet in depth. Brickstein said that. Well, folks, in verse 2, there's a really strange prediction, but one that came true exactly to the minute detail. Verse 2 And G- Jesus answered and said to him, Seest thou that these great buildings? Melt- There shall be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Just need a little bit of more monitor, brother, if you can give it to me. The temple and its destruction. Folks, listen. The response to the Jews uh, was this, or to Jesus was this. It's going down. We're going to dismantle it. Uh, We're going to destroy it. And it was fulfilled exactly in 70 A.D. Now, let me tell you about it. The Roman general Titus, and this I know is a lot of history, but I just want to show the significance of what Jesus said. hope this don't bore you. You history students are on the edge of your seats. The rest of you, wake up. But I want you to, Titus ordered his men to preserve the temple, but some guy gutted it with fire in spite of it. And as a result, the general ordered the temple. This is 70 A.D. now, uh, and the whole city destroyed. And the Romans dismantled every stone in the building. They turned every stone upside down. Why? Because the gold melted between the stones and that fire. And they dug it up. They turned every stone up to get the gold. That's just like the greed of men say amen. But that's just like God. He said every stone will be turned upside down. Every wall will fall. It was... It was. Uh, Fulfilled in 70 A.D. to the exact stone. Amen? I think I believe the Bible. How about you? Amen? And I believe God's word. Now just a side note, during the tribulation period that's described in the few verses we'll have next Sunday morning, uh, the Jews will rebuild their temple, offer animal sacrifices once again, and then during the millennial reign of Christ, a final temple will be built in Jerusalem. But I want to get to these signs. All of y'all excited about that? The signs of the time. Look at verse 3. The Bible says, And he sat upon the mount of Olives upon against the temple. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately. They went out to the mountain 150 feet high. They climbed it by foot, of course. Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? And so the Lord begins to look down at this beautiful, slim, uh, scintillating, awesome sight of the temple. And he said, I'll tell you the signs. Not only this temple fallen, but all mankind fallen from the wrath of God at the tribulation, before that the rapture. Thank God the second coming follows that seven years later. But Jesus answered them two questions. When and what? Jesus answers the last question in this verse. Jesus answered that question about What's going to be the signs? So this morning I want to consider the Lord's response to the question, What is the signs? What is the signs? And I don't believe that we ought to be hooked on signs. We ought to look for the Savior. Amen. There's a lot of people that are so spooky. They're looking for signs and wonders. I'll get to that in just a minute. How you evaluate a godly church and a godly man. Number one, verse six. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ shall deceive many. In the last days, there'll be many false messiahs. There'll be false prophets. Um, Two are mentioned in Acts chapter 5, verse 36 through 37. One was named Theodos, the other name was Judas. That's appropriate. Theodos believed and claimed that he he could part the Jordan River. He deceived about 400 people, and they drowned in that Jordan River. You follow cult leaders, you're going to drown. You're going down. You need to follow the word of God. You don't need to follow men. You need to follow God. Say amen. And then also Acts chapter 5, verse 36 and 37 mentions a guy named Judas the Galilean. And he was a radical anti-Roman revolutionary because he knew they were all looking for a political uh, revolution and freedom. And so here comes Judas. And he started the Zalot movement. One of the Lord's disciples, Simon the Zalok, was a, came out of that, came a follower of Jesus. So, folks, far as back as Jesus' days, there's been people that said they're Christ. And folks, Simon Bar uh, Coma uh, started a rebellion that lasted three years and cost thousands of lives in Israel. And their revolt led to Roman coming down and crushing them with uh, suppression. Moses of Crete. He claimed that he would part the Mediterranean Sea. I wonder where he got that from. And I wonder where he got his name from. A bunch of foolish people following cult leaders. It's it's pathetic. I'll give you one in just a minute, modern day. Show you how crazy Hollywood is. Many uh, left uh, left over a cliff thinking the Mediterranean Sea was going to split when they hit the water and they all drowned. That was in Jesus' day. In the 1100s, a man named Moses Adar. They like that name, Moses, Deliverer. And has told his followers that sell all their possessions because the Messiah was coming in 1127. Don't set dates. Just know the season. He's coming. And, folks, they they came, that that Passover came. The Lord did not come. And those followers lived in destitution the rest of their life because they sold it all for nothing. They gave it away. 1666, that's pretty significant, 666 man claimed to have heard the voice of God, declared he was the son of God. He led followers to the city of Constantinople and was arrested by the Turkish sultan. When he was arrested, he decided to become an Islamic. (laughs) Amen. I mean, here here we go, man. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a deliverer. I'm Christ, but now I'm I'm Islamic. But in modern-day terms, we've had Joseph Smith, glasses that nobody has found and golden tablets that nobody can find. We have the Book of Mormon and their work salvation. And I want to tell you something, friend. We have Charles Taz Russell, J.W., Jehovah Witnesses. His daddy was a congregationist preacher, preached on hell. He said, no, I don't like that. I'm going to start being a movement where there is no hell. Let me tell you something, friend. Jesus preached on hell 13 times. It's mentioned 87 times in the Word of God you can't cut it out there is a place called hell and I'm glad I'm not going there because I got born again when I was 11 years old thank God for heaven amen there is a hell there is a heaven thank God I'm going to heaven and then the one that really blows my mind I did research on that for a couple of days this week Mary Baker Patterson Glover Eddie you say why so many names that's how many times she's been married but she is the leader of Scientology, Christian science, Tom Cruise and all the rest of them, Christian science. I want to tell you something about this little lady that died in 1912 at age 89. She did live a long time, but it wasn't because of Christian science. But she believed in malicious animal magnetism, and her followers believed in every one of it. And folks, I mean, this is early 1900s, late 1800s, and this malicious animal magnetism was mental assassination by people that didn't like you. In other words, they could put a curse on you. And folks, she had about 50 people guarding her house, around her house, for 24 hours because she thought some people were going to put a curse on her called malicious animal magnetism. She started a movement called Christian Science. And thousands and thousands of people to this day, especially our little Hollywood friends that think they got so much influence and can persuade society with their little talent and their money, uh, follow this junk. And, folks, I want to tell you something. She's married three times. Her second husband said, "Uh, Listen, you got to give away your four year old child because I don't want him. And she gave away her four year old son, did not see him to 30 years later when he had two sons and a wife. And friend, who could follow somebody like that? Well, thousands have. I'm just exposing to you that there's false prophets in this world today. And I'll tell you, I just want to expose to you, we got some very gullible, how can I be real kind here, unwise people that would follow someone like that. Malicious animal magnetism. That sounds like somebody slept too long after eating about five or six Whoppers too late. Say amen. God help us. And all these great Hollywood stars says, boy, I'm Christian science. You know, uh, Recently, they, they were invaded by aliens, they said. Uh, that's causing some problems. They probably think he lives in the White House, but I don't know. But I'm telling you, friend, it's ridiculous to follow people that do not live for God, that do not line up with this book. Say amen. In the last days, there will be false prophets. There'll be cults. Folks, I guarantee you, Doug Gap Road could be called Cult Alley if we wanted to rename it. Say amen. That's pitiful. We're in the South. We're in the good old South. We got Islamics. We got Jehovah Witnesses. Now we got Buddhists across the street. We got Mormons across from Walmart. Praise God, friend. I'm glad there's an independent fundamental Bible-believing church that believes he's coming. And we're going to preach nothing but the book. So help me God. And so folks, there was a persuasion. Folks, there was a the, the, there was persuasion of pretenders. It says in verse 6, look at it real closely. Let's get to the word. Give you enough history to press you. It says, and they shall deceive many. They shall deceive many. Everyone knows how many cars is in that parking lot up here? You say you shouldn't be a, you shouldn't be unnice to other people. Listen, friend, I'll rebuke cults as long as I live. I'll rebuke all heresy that stands against this book with authority from the Word of God. But with compassion in my soul, I'll witness to them around the clock. Just one a Mormon lady, the Lord, just about three weeks ago, and I'm trying to follow up on her. Miss Connie picks her up every Sunday. And I want to tell you something, friend, we love people that are deceived. Folks, in the last days, there's many that will be deceived. Why? Well, there's only the persuasion, but there's the precaution. It says, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. Look at verse 5. And Jesus answered them again and said, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. Take heed means discern. Take heed means perceive. Take heed means recognize. I want to tell you something, friend. You need all this book you can get. I don't think you can get enough in one hour of the week. I, don't believe you need, I believe you ought to have devotions every day of your life. I believe you ought to stay in the word of God every day of your life. I believe you ought to memorize it. I believe you ought to sing it. I believe you ought to uh, actualize it. And I believe you ought to prayerize it. And I believe, folks, you need to put it into practice. Say amen. Praise God. Take heed. The power of these pretenders, not only the precaution of these pretenders, but the power of these pretenders. It says that in verse 22 of this chapter, I'll skip ahead to next week, it says, "For false Christ and false prophets shall rise. Are you with me? Chapter thirteen, verse twenty-two. Come on now, and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it be possible, even the elect. Amen. I want to tell you something. You see the persuasion. Take heed. You see the. You see the. Um, uh, uh, you see the persuasion is many shall be deceived." And then we see the precaution, take heed. But I see the power of these pretenders. I want to tell you something, folks. The father of all lies is the devil. John eight forty four. The deceiver, Satan, is an angel of light. He doesn't come to you with a pitchfork and a red tail and horns. You would recognize him, right? You'd recognize. Little girl shaking her head on the second row, praise God. You with me, girl? amen, you with me? No, that's not the devil. That's a costume. That's Halloween. Don't get me started on that on that holiday. We ain't got time for that. But I'll tell you this, friend. He comes as an angel of life. He is slick willy. He's on TV and everybody loves his positive message. But then he also is on TV and he has a line of people that he supposedly heals. You believe in healing? Yes, sir, I believe in healing by prayer, not by stars. Not by millionaires getting rich on TV. Had a lady walk out of Sunday school class because I rebuked, rebuked them uh, a couple of years ago. She ain't come back. She won't answer the door. because She said, I know those TV evangelists are real. And I'm, it's so sad. Because, friend, you cannot judge a man of God by signs and wonders. You must judge him by the validity of the word of God. If he lines up with the book, Folks, I want to tell you something. Signs and wonders can come from false prophets. That's what the Bible says. These false prophets. Jesus predicted it. There will be many false prophets. goes down to verse 23 and says, hey, they'll do signs and wonders. And folks, you better be careful of the movements that are based on signs and wonders because those signs and wonders can be false signs and false wonders. Even the elect can be confused. That means... Believers can say, wait a minute, did he not heal? Did I not heal in thy name? Did I not do many wonderful things in thy name? He said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Never knew you. And folks, I want to tell you something. It's not wonders, but it's the word that validates. You ought to write that down somewhere in your Bible. It's not wonders, but it's the word that validates. You want to know a true man of God? You want to know a prophet of God? Does he preach the book? Does he live the book? Does he demonstrate the book? And does he stand for the book? The word of God. In the last days there will be many that will try to fleece your faith and fleece your future and your fortune. Say amen. One false prophet said if you'll put your hand on the radio you'll feel God thought to myself, you put your hand in the radio, you'll really feel God. Amen. Some of you got to smile because you're killing me. But anyway, listen, thank God we're in the last days. Thank God Jesus is coming soon. Sometimes when I see my babies cry all night and I see my wife cry all morning, I think, praise God, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Lord, just come on back. Amen. And I guess that's a cop out. But I sure wish he'd come soon. Number two sign. Second sign. There will be wars. There will be wars. Look at verse 7. Verse 7. Mark chapter 13. Y'all getting something out of this? It says, When you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be not troubled. For such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. Folks, the presence of war. Our world has been marked by War after war after war. Will Durant, whoever the world he is, a historian, said that out of 3,421 years of recorded history, there's only been 268 years of peace. Folks, listen. People say peace, peace, when there is no peace. The reason I'm a little concerned about my little girl, and she's still my little girl, she's tough because I raised her that way. She'll be all right. She'll be okay. She's tough. I'll tell you something. I don't like her flying through the Middle East by herself. It's a daddy's concern. Well, won't you trust God, brother Wayne? Well, won't you mind your own business, with my family? But anyway, uh, uh, you know we we need to realize we need to realize that the Middle East is in a in a in a place of of upheaval. I mean, satanic leaders in Iraq and Iran. North Korea. I'm telling you, friend, there's wars and rumors of war, but you know what the Bible says in verse 7? This helps me. It says, But be ye not troubled. Folks, we can have mist and we can have peace in the midst of war. We can have peace in the midst of the storm. That's what I have to draw on this morning. Sometimes I feel like I ought to just sit on the second row and let somebody else pray. Because my heart is so heavy. But God's called me to preach. So I'm going to preach until he tells me to sit down. But folks, listen, I can have peace in the midst of my storms. I can have peace in the midst of trouble, trials, situations. And then, last but not least, I see the perspective about wars. For such things must needs be. The Lord's got a big plan. I think he's paving the way for his second coming. I believe he's drying up the river Euphrates. I believe the Middle East is opening up. I believe the, the turmoil that Israel faced every day of their life and the attack that Israel, and thank God we have a president and a vice president that sides with Israel. And if we don't side with Israel, we've had it. Thank God for that. But God is using terrible tragedy of war to shape the world for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that. He uses the wrath of man for his own glory. He uses things that break our heart to make us more like Jesus. He uses things we don't understand to make us understand that God is still on the throne and that he's the Prince of Peace. And there is no peace without Jesus. And there will never be peace without Jesus. In the last days, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, but there's going to be families falling apart. There's going to be teenagers falling apart. There's going to be humanity falling apart. Men trying to be women and women trying to be men. God help us. God never planned that. Say amen. You don't like that? Get right with God. Because God is our creator. And if he made you a woman, he wants you to be a good woman. A beautiful woman. A godly woman. If he made you a man, he wants you to walk like a man. Talk like a man. And not smoke like a man. <laughs> Unless you're cooking pork. Or or fish. I ain't going to preach against that. The perspective is this. God's still on the throne. The perspective is this. He's just about to get off the throne. And he's about to come and catch us all up. Billy Goosby's preaching. And pray that he will be able to preach. Because He's he's really sick wife's real sick he preaches every Sunday down there at Rome Baptist Temple I don't know how many years he's 83 I think or something he'll preach with power and I remember he preached one time the Lord is coming and boy is he hot I said glory to God he is because he's tired of this stuff men coming men women men marrying men that's just not natural that's not spiritual God help you y'all got that problem see me in the office after church amen I'll talk to you about your pink socks. But I want to say this, friend, listen. Men with men, women with women, that's not God's plan. That's warfare in the soul. What are they doing? They're warring against their creator and says, I want it my way, Frank Sinatra. I want it like I want it. Listen, friend, God didn't create you. God didn't sustain you. God didn't allow you to get saved for the way you wanted it. Come on now saved you for the way he wants it and so you're going to be at war with god if you rebel against god say amen right there you're going to be at war with god and the bible says our flesh is enmity towards god there's wars and rumors of wars all over this world but there's a war in people's hearts today families are falling apart children are falling apart education's falling apart society's falling apart and yes politics Political institutions are falling apart. Countries are falling apart. Kingdoms are falling apart. But there's one that's not falling apart. And there's some that should never fall apart. We, the people of God. False prophets, wars and rumors of wars. But it goes on to say this, and I'll close. There's a constant, there's going to be constant upheaval in this world. Look at verse 8. For nations shall rise against nations, and kingdoms against kingdoms. There shall be earthquakes in divers places, California, just this past week. There shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. Folks, the sovereign God is preparing this world for the appearance of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something, Iran, Russia, China, North Korea, Iraq, Turkey, all these crazy leaders killing their own people. It's going to tell the world they need God. They don't need Mohammed. They don't need some cult leader. They don't need man. They don't need just a preacher. Praise God, they need the coming king, the Lord of lords, the king of kings. Because he's the only one. They can put things back together. It's constant upheaval. It's rocking this world. Folks, why earthquakes? Because the very foundation begins to shake in your life. You feel like there's no substance. There's no source of stability. And folks, God is shaking up this world. A couple of Wednesday nights, I said, I'm surprised God hadn't sent more earthquakes. I didn't mean to predict one, and, and I ain't prophesying one. I'm not a son of a prophet or a prophet. Folks, I said, I wish, I'm surprised God doesn't send more famine, more earthquakes, more tornadoes, more uh, tsunamis to destroy all of us. But God is merciful. God is gracious. Increase of earthquakes. Scientists tell us that more than 13 million people have died due to earthquakes over the past 4,000 years. Earthquakes upon, of course, tsunamis. 300,000 people in the Pacific Ocean died in December 20, 2003 in one tsunami. In 1911, y'all may not know this, or excuse me, 1811 and 1812, I mean, we're there. But anyway, in 1811 and 1812, there was a series of great earthquakes in Arkansas that rearranged the landscape caused rivers to change courses, caused many fires to devastate the land. In 1980, remember Mount St. Helens? They said that that was as powerful as 20 million tons of TNT going off, toppled 150, 150 square miles of forest in six minutes. They said the total energy from even the lake that's uh, on, on Lake Spirit Lake, north of the volcano, as it erupted, and It said the total energy output on May 18th was equivalent to 400 million tons of TNT. 400 million tons. More more than 250 miles was devastated. Earthquakes on the increase. That's powerful. But I want to tell you something. The one that allows it's powerful. Folks, your life is not going to be stable until you settle it on the rock of ages. There'll be famine, verse 8. Every 3.6 seconds, someone dies of starvation. Don't gripe because you only have one hamburger today. Thank God for it. Brother, um, every time I looked around, Brother Donald had a tray of fish pointing it over my shoulder. You know what I did? I took another piece of fish, amen? This morning, I feel like swimming. No, not really. <laughs> we ate fish till we couldn't eat fish. I ordered too much. I'm sorry. I thought that, I thought y'all would eat more. So I had to take up the slack. Somebody's got to do it. But every 3.6 seconds, somebody starts to death. I ain't laughing about that. I'm laughing about how spoiled we are. Come on, say amen. I'm going to eat three times a day if it kills me. <laughs> Might eat four. Sit down and watch Braves game. I start eating. They're eating hot dogs. I'm going to eat one too. Amen. Praise God. But every year 15 million children die of starvation and related illnesses. 4 million people starve to death every year. 1.3 billion lives live on less than $1 of income per day. And another 3 billion survive on $3 per day. How you doing? You upset because somebody else has got three bedrooms, you got two. You're upset because somebody's got a $45,000 pickup, you've got a Volkswagen? Bug? Or van? What's your problem? Well, the Bible says in verse 8, I'll close, these are the beginning of sorrows, but it says famine and troubles. Well, so you'll research that troubles in Matthew chapter 24, the word pestilence is used. In the last days, there'll be pestilence. What's that mean? Malignant disease without cure. Plagues, diseases. AIDS is an epidemic. 70% of all the people of Africa have HIV. That's something my children, my, my daughter, they have to be cautious HIV, positive. Today, there's a word that we all dread, cancer. I don't know one family in this room that doesn't have a relative or a friend without cancer. It's a malignant disease. You say, well, where are we getting it? Well, some people say it's the fruit and it's the canned goods and it's, preservatives, and et cetera, and et cetera, and et cetera. But I want to tell you something. The Bible says Jesus said in the last days will be pestilence. And then there'll be persecution, verse 13. This is where we come in. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. but you shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now, folks, endurance is not a process of salvation. It's a result of salvation. You don't get saved by endurance. You prove that you're saved. And folks, in these very last days, let me just say this in closing. My time's gone. But if I can't preach about ten minutes overtime for the second coming, something's wrong with us. Amen? We're too busy. But I want to tell you something, friend. In these last days, here's the thought. We ought to prove to the world that we're saved by being more faithful than the average religious. More dedicated than the average cult member. More in love with Jesus' word and more dependent upon his word than the average false prophet or religionist. Folks, In the be- this is the beginning of sorrows. You know what that really means? Ladies, y'all can identify with this. It's the beginning of birth pains. Every woman here probably has seen, or felt somebody having contractions. Folks, it's an indicator there's a long, hard time ahead. Folks, the Bible says this is the beginning of birth pains. This is the beginning of sorrow. If it started when Jesus said it is finished on the cross of Calvary and it was close then, how closer is it now? And I believe the Lord's coming. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If not so, I told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I love this, and receive you unto myself. Thomas looked at him and said, Lord, we know not where thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus looked at him and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. He wasn't some false prophet trying to brag. He is God, and he is stating there's only one way to be saved. And folks, there's only one way to be sanctified. And there's only one way to be satisfied. And there's only one way to be secure in these last days. And it's putting your trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, thank you for the message. Use it for your glory. We thank you, dear God, that you're coming. God, we're not looking for the un- undertaker. We're looking for the uptaker. God, we're not looking for signs and signals. We're looking for the Savior. God, we're not looking for signs. We're looking for the sounds of the coming. We're listening for the trumpet. I should have had Miss Bailey blow the trumpet right now. Scare everybody to death, God. But Lord, thank you. Oh, thank you, God. The trumpet's the next thing that we're going to hear. And Lord, we're so thankful that we can't set a date. But the Bible says in Matthew 24, 44, Be ye ready for an hour that you think not, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Well, we can't set a date, but you're coming as a thief in the night, and you're coming soon. Help us be ready. Help us to be ready or be left.